okay, it's on. Now you can go. Okay, here we go. In a one, in a two. Oh, wait, you mean to tell me you didn't get anything for the cold open? No, that is that is what I'm saying. I have nothing for the cold open. The now you do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. The new international club jerseys will be arriving the entire month of June, so get ready because the new Juventus home jersey is available now in both youth and adult sizes. And maybe they'll have Weston McKenney's name and number ready for you. And don't forget, when you're ready to check out, Third Degree listeners get 25% off your entire purchase. You just use the code ThirdDegree when you're checking out at Soccer90.com. Why, hi, hello, you FC Dallas Curious fan. Hello again, and welcome to another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. I'm Peter. How you doing? And I'm joined by my two soccer-talking friends first... Dan Crook. Hold on, hold on. You sound way too like uh, e- excited and eager uh, after a three 0 loss. That's crazy. Just stick with me, Dan. I'm trying to put on a happy face. I'll have a pint of whatever you're having. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's hero, editor and founder of ThirdDegree.net, the good Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hello, Peter. Sitting here enjoying the last of the old major bacon flavored bourbon that was so spectacularly good. Mmm. You drank mm. all of it, huh? Well, all but the last. I got a last little bit left. I'm enjoying here. So let's see. That lasted you. That entire gallon jug. <laughs> it's not a gallon. <laughs> uh, it was. It, it came in like a milk jug kind of no, size no, thing, right? No. no and so you a... drank that in what three days? No, <laughs> it's just Nothing a regular like bottle, and I drank it over like two months. Oh. Okay. Hmm. Well, guys, uh, the original Burn fan initially posted this and pointed out at one win, three draws, and three losses, the 2021 FC Dallas team has now tied the 2003 Dallas Burn at the same record, and we all know that that went down as the worst season in this club's history. That team by the way, ended up with only 23 points. They had a goal differential of, oh my gosh, negative 29. And just for a kick in the sack, they also got knocked out in their first game of the U.S. Open Cup against the Wilmington Hammerheads Yeah, uh, and lost that game 4-1. to one. So this is where I'm going to count on you, the good Buzz Carrick, mm. to uh, spread a little of your optimism and hope because you seem to feel this isn't as bad a trash fire as it appears to be to the rest of us. Well, it's not as bad a trash fire as 2003. Well, now listen, I, I'm a big believer actually in the um, the expression, uh, you are what your record says you are. But at the same time, uh, the things around the team are not a trash fire like they were in 2003. 2003 was doomed because of the South Lake debacle and everything that went with it. That team was screwed from the get-go and it just got worse and worse and worse. And then it, the club started making panic moves and it got worse and worse and worse. So this is not that in the sense that uh, 
there are some problems with this team, but a couple of them are fixable with just people getting healthy and a couple of them are fixable with the next transfer window. So I don't think we're looking at a South Lake team. Uh, that being said, even if, if we'll talk about it later, I have this, this plan, I called it a five-part plan. If everything in the plan goes right, you're still just looking at a mid-table team scrapping to make the playoffs. This team is far, far, far from being a team that can compete to actually win a championship, which is odd because the entire front office and coaching staff all talked about this winter, how they felt like they had a great team to compete for a title. I think they were crazy, but um, that's where we are. So, Dan, uh, just taking what Buzz just said about the reality of even if they fix this, it's still a mid-table team, and then you throw in the fact that this is Lucci's third year and uh, whether or not the front office truly believed that this was a highly competitive team, where would you largely place uh, the blame for what we've gotten to start off this season? I mean, uh, I think you kind of have to look at uh, at coaching decisions, uh, players who aren't performing in the lineup that have stayed in the lineup, some strange substitutions, interest in formation choices. Uh, I think it all kind of uh, unfortunately comes back to you know the technical stuff, or well, you know the the technical stuff on, on the bench and uh, and Zanata. All right. So, Buzz, you and I were going back and forth in our group chat earlier today, and uh, I don't think you'll mind me sharing that you didn't seem to think that Lucci's coaching uh, situation was even one of the top five problems with this team. No, no, not top five. Well, really? maybe, maybe it can be fifth, maybe. Uh, <laughs> it's not top four. Um, it, there's there's significant roster problems right now. Uh, some of which are related to people not being healthy. But um, Lucci's not playing with a full roster. There's a missing DP. There's open roster spots. There's multiple positions that were vacated by sales and not replaced adequately. Those things aren't on Lucci. Now, Lucci's made some mystifying subs. He's tried some tactics that I think he's crazy to have tried. Um, you know, so there's definitely some blame on Lucci, but at the same time, he also has made a couple of changes that have really helped the team the last two games. So uh, Lucci's a mixed bag, but we knew Lucci was going to be a mixed bag when he was hired three years ago. You know, when you hire a guy with no experience at all, you're going to get a mixed bag, such as life. You know, the reason this team is in last place versus its last two years when it was a mid table are because they've made some moves with this roster that have not panned out. And that's not Lucci's fault. All right, well, maybe we'll get back into that a little bit more, but let's dive into uh, the loss in Colorado, which was not pretty in any way, shape, or form, and certainly uh, uh, continues the weird trend that Colorado always seems to have Dallas's number over the years in, in, some way for, uh, in some form or shape. And Colorado, by the way, was missing a couple of key ingredients in their lineup, including Kellen Acosta, who's out on national team duty. And uh, Colorado just seemed to do very well what they do. It isn't necessarily uh, beautiful, but it works for them, and it works really well. Uh, but again, Buzz, based on your instant reaction video, I you really were kind of uh, uh, suggesting that Dallas has something good happening. In fact, you uh, yeah. you were you told people on your instant reactions not to allow the final result to cloud the good things that are happening. And so I'm yeah. going to ask you what are those good things. Well, Oscar Pereja always said that 
when you are evaluating how your team's playing that you have to pretty much throw out goals. Now, goals are all that matters in the reality. You have to win, you have to score. So that's hugely important and we're not going to completely throw it out. But there's an analysis that can be done of how the team is playing and whether the team is getting better. Now, in the context, and here, remember, on this, at least for me anyway, this team, the podcasting, what we do, what we do at Third Degree, is all about context. So the first, however much of the season, I guess it was five games because we played seven. Is that right, Dan? The first five games of the season, we talked a lot about lack of touches in the front line, lack of scoring opportunities, lack of chance creation. Well, Lucci changed the formation. He changed the tactical, tweaked the tactical situation with Acosta and with Frank O'Hara. And in the last two games, they've had 29 shots the last game and 21 shots in this game. The previous high on the year was 13. So in the context of a last place team wanting to get better, they are playing good soccer from box to box and they are creating scoring opportunities. So don't let the fact that they lost and the front line stinks destroy the fact that Lucci made a tactical adjustment that worked and that the midfield is playing considerably better and creating the opportunities they were not creating before. That now highlights the fact that the front line stinks and it's time to make some changes. So I'm not trying to say that this team's going to be great. I'm not trying to say that you should ignore the bad things because the bad things are important. I'm just saying that those bad things don't invalidate the good things. Okay. So uh, I, you know, I was really frustrated in watching this game, and this is part of what I'm most mystified that I can't – I mean, it, does this really come down to the idea that Dallas has Ricarte and Acosta – kind of is the soccer version of male nipples. You know, if you look at them on the chest, they could, if you look at them in the right way, be kind of attractive. But in reality, they serve zero purpose. And that's only because they're essentially trying to play soccer with three guys up front that are no better than Sunday league punters. Is that really what this the problem is with this team? I mean, that's what I think it is. And the fact that if you have Acosta playing the best soccer of his career, and since they've made this tweak, moving Acosta higher, that's freed up Ricarte. And he now has like the metric I like to talk about lately, which is the 11 key passes among his awesome play. Though That's one that really jumps out at you. He also leads the team in pressures all the time, which I find amazing. Um, he has 11 of the last two games. So like the things are going well in soccer terms for those two guys, you know, for, for the lack of a real six behind them, it really is remarkable that those two dudes are playing so well. Now, if you're in a bad team, which is what this team clearly is, then the other deficiencies can overwrite and mask up the fact that those two guys are playing really well. So, like, you don't want to fix those two guys. They're fine. You just got to fix a couple other things, and you'll be fine. You'll be fine in terms of mid-table FC Dallas under Lucci, fine. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, win MLS Cup or anything. But All right. Really let me, can... let, uh, I was going to – hold on, Dan. I want to ask you this question. Is, is Buzz trying to tell us that uh, Ricarte and Acosta are like Pirlo and Iniesta and they're just not fairly treated? Or we're just not recognizing that? No, they're not that slow. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> that's well played. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, Acosta has played brilliantly on both sides of the ball. Um, I, I, Ricarte has definitely played better. I don't necessarily put as much stock in uh, in the key passes. Um, you know, four of those came from corners. Had none in the second half. Also, didn't like the uh, fluff that really nice, easy header 40 seconds into the game. Um, but, uh, you know, the the shift in midfield has definitely 
helped open his game up and kind of put him in those positions you want him to get and put the ball in the positions you that they signed him to to put yeah. them into. Um, you know, it's. I mean, Buzz is right. You don't let the 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 bad cloud the good, or, or otherwise it's you know that you know they had a a pretty solid game in places. They just couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. All right. So is is it a function of all three guys across the front just uh, being crap? Is it? If it if just one of them was in good form and finishing, would we would we be ignoring the other two, or or is this really just coming down to what my opinion is, which is Hara just simply has the yips. Like that's a guy who's so in his own head and and just can't finish. Um, and I'm not ever you know, and I got a whole other question about his history of finishing uh, yeah. that I, I'm unfamiliar with, and, and I just can't quite. I, I, I first off, I, I'm not a, I'm not convinced any of the three are really all that good. Two of which are young and new to the league, and I and I'm question their 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 overall potential. Period. The third Hara, and by the way, I love the nickname in the Discord that came up, which is horrible. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I don't know who did that in the Discord group, but uh, props to you, and I will uh, point it out to me who it was, and we'll mention you next time in the next pod. Um, but I just think that guy's got the yips. Uh, I'm, I'm not even going to go far as to say the yips. I just don't think he has enough uh, juice left in the tank to be able to separate on his own at all. And then when he gets into a good position, he's just not clinical enough. He's not – you know, he could have had – four or five on the day and he could have three 15 minutes in yeah but, but but hold on hold on but those three in 15 in those were all relatively easy opportunities to finish I if i remember correctly that's why i'm saying those are the yips because i can't believe he's so bad that he can't even finish one of those three if it, if he doesn't have the yips well here here's the stat that matt doyle dropped this week that i thought was phenomenal uh he has one non-penalty goal in his last 19 appearances Right. Across all competitions. That's not the yips. That's you suck. The yips is like, <laughs> you know, it's been a couple of games and I just need one, right? And he, you know, and in his entire tenure, again, credit to Doyle, 2,100 minutes for Dallas. He has six non-penalty goals. And almost all those came last year when he had that little bit of a burst sort of in the second half after everyone was ripping him. You know, it's just the age and the mobility. This is a vertical league. It's a league that requires pace. You know, even... One of the reasons why they had to make this tactical adjustment was because playing as a false nine, he didn't have enough burst or pace to take advantage of the false nining of the holes he was creating. Right. So it's like they put him back higher up the field, and now he doesn't have enough to bury these shots. And your guy, John uh, Leonard, just wrote this great piece talking about, analytically speaking, that if Hara had scored three goals, his team would be mid-table, right? So again... There's fixable problems here, one of which is that your nine stinks and he's getting paid $3 million a year and you're stuck with him for another season after this one. So look, a lot of ways, Lucci's hands are tied on this stuff. And we're, I'm going to have to tell you what I think they should do with him here at the end of, later on in this podcast. But the bottom line is it's I don't think it's just him, though. Vargas is a little bit snake bit, but he's actually – Good Lord, I can talk. Statistically, he was the best of the three last game. And for me, Obreon, who – I think could be a, you know, a Castillo type guy, but right now he's so concerned about drawing a PK because he's trying to do it by himself that he's going down and he's complaining. He's sort of developing this reputation as a complainer. Well, the, the refs in this league are never going to call that stuff. He has to battle through a couple of those 
and get through and get some goals and show that you can play through it. And then maybe you'll, you know, establish yourself and then maybe you can do some complaining. Um, whereas right now he's too focused on all this other crap and not just getting it done. Well, I, I think he's frustrated. And, and again, yeah. I'm not 100% he's good enough for this league, period. And I think he's just, I think throwing your arms up in the air and yelling and gesticulating in anger is just a sign that he doesn't know what else to do. I just, I, I, I've yet to see him do anything super positive. I, 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 Vargas, we saw something in the preseason that we've yet to see in a regular season game. Obreon is a guy that I really would like to turn good, but after seven games, Buzz, I got to say, I, I think the two dudes are busts. I think they're bad. Well, two goals in seven games for a winger is not bad. He's got two goals in a runner play. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, it's not – look, he's seven games into his MLS career. Some guys take six months or a year to adapt. I yeah. think there's enough there with Obreon that I'm not ready to give up on him. I do think he should sit a game. But I don't, I'm not ready to give up on him. He just needs to focus on playing and not this other crap. And I think I think he'll be fine. I mean, I could be wrong. You know, maybe he'll go the wrong way. But um, there's enough there that I'm not ready to dump him yet. All right. I just want to point out that one of the goals that he did score, he shot it off his other leg and it bounced in the goal. Just FYI. I mean, they, they don't – on the score sheet, it doesn't indicate how he scores. All it says is you scored. I know, but – are you are you okay all right uh, maybe i'm just being too harsh too early i just uh, we've been through the we've been through the winger thing with this team for so long watched them just chew through winger after winger after winger and bring in guys that they told us were you know top scorers in their south american or central american league and they showed up and they turned out to be you know anywhere from pretty good to utter crap and never anything better than that and i just have a weird sense that these two guys are just in a continuation of that story after at least what i've seen in seven games i mean maybe but two goals in seven games is not throw the guy away two goals in seven games is you know that's that's like what eight over 34 i mean that's that's good for a wing that's great i mean that, and they that don't lead this team in scoring well they don't really have anybody else to play right wing anyway do they uh, i mean Paxson, maybe, but you know, there's some guys you can stick over there. Dante Seeley. <laughs> for for a bit of context, you're talking about Obreon as a guy who was brought in to replace someone who was absolute crap for the first six months, and then was the team's best player for five years. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a really good point, Dan. Although I think the 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 real lead in that story is that you're describing Michael Barrios as the best player for five years, yeah, and yeah. if Michael Barrios <laughs> is your best player, you don't have a very good team. As much as I, you know, like. Oh, well, I mean, Barrios. they didn't, but you know, he was also finishing top of MLS in assists and and goal, uh, you know, goals and assists. He was. He was high up constantly. So I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. And Castillo was crap too. Granted, he was a lot younger, but he was crap for a while too. A lot of guys are crap when they show up. You got to give them a chance. And two goals in seven games is not utter crap. It's you know, that's yeah. Fine. How many assists do Obreon and Vargas have between the two of them this season? Oh, probably zero. I don't, I don't have the stats mm, open in front of yeah. me, but it's got to be. I'm pretty low. sure it's. I think it's zero you actually. Know, I wonder how many assists anybody on this team has. Mm. Yeah. All right, Dan, I, I'm hoping you can help me shine a bright light on probably one of the better aspects of this team's abilities, set-piece play. Boy, we're re this team is really good at free kicks and corner kicks, aren't they? No comment. <laughs> By the way, I have two things for you, Peter. Guess who leads the team in assists? Uh, is it uh, Ryan? It's Paxton Pomacall with two. <laughs> holy crap and, and how many minutes has he played uh jack squat uh 190 
Yeah. Apparently. And uh, by the way, they do have Weston McKinney names and numbers for the UV kits. So, oh, good. Yeah. That's the right. item number two. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. All right. So, Buzz, why don't yeah. you – because I, I uh, when after I finished the watching – I ended up watching the Colorado game really late, and it was like 1 o'clock in the morning by the time I was done, and I was really cheesed off at how bad the game was. And I remember writing in the in the group chat to you guys, can somebody magical. just name one thing to me? Uh, literally, just tell me one thing that either one of you, and I'll start with Dan, that you think Dallas is actually good at. One thing. Um, surprising people with substitutions. Okay. All right. <laughs> Buzz, come on, Buzz. Tell me one thing this team is good at. I actually think the midfield's pretty good. I know you don't, but I think that Acosta and Ricarte combined with Tanner, who's playing out of position, is pretty good. Okay, I take that against most You teams. keep saying they're really good, but – all right, so what? So what? You're. I just want to make sure you and I are on the same page because I'm not going to necessarily disagree with you, but I want to make sure that by saying that those three guys are quote really good means that everything that's wrong with this team is limited to the three guys in front of them. Well, and the fact that the defense is uh, not quite. No, not no, yeah, we haven't enough. even gotten to the defense yet. Let's just yeah. talk about the attacking part of the team. Right. No, I think that's true. Okay, and and you've promoted this a couple of times. You you have a five point game plan to fix it, right? Is yeah, that what we're, we're talking, getting to? Yeah, we're not getting there yet. We're just right. talking about. I'm talking about the midfield. If you create 29 shots in one game and 21 in the next game, your midfield is fine. There's nothing wrong with this midfield at all. Those three guys are perfectly capable players. If they got well, that's part of the plan. Listen, the midfield is fine. This okay. listen, the, Peter. The entire team doesn't suck. They are not the worst team in the history of the league. Parts of this team are good. They have a couple problems that have to be fixed. If you're going to try and tell me that every single phase of this team is utter dog shit, I'm going to tell you you're out of your fucking mind. No, I'm not going to say that. That's what I'm you're saying. Well, that is literally no, what you're saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm yeah. not I'm not even saying they're the worst team in the league. Fight, 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 fight. <laughs> what I'm asking you is, is to tell me, because I want to know, because you seem to have a very positive f- vibe about this team, but when I watch it, that's not I feel I like... A, you quote good things happening you keep talking about yes. good things happening and when i watch I this say, team i see a team that's re- regressed over the yeah, last you three didn't years. listen to what i said you didn't listen to what i said you said don't I said, let don't the score let this, I, score. I literally said don't let the bad things overwrite the good things i, I didn't say everything is great i know you didn't say everything was great yeah I'm not so putting don't put words, words in, in my mouth i'm asking you don't get frustrated buzzard i'm asking you if the if if you and i want to work with you on this if the midfield is good tell me what they're good at because i don't understand what they're good at i don't see it i literally have just spent 30 minutes telling you what they're good at they've created scoring opportunities for this team because Acosta and Ricarte are both playing exceptional soccer, and Tanner Tessman is playing adequately as a six, and his long passing is also helping create ad- opportunities. Both of those guys, Acosta and Ricarte, are creating opportunities. They both are creating plenty of scoring chances. If you have 21 shots on the road, that is a crap ton of shots on the road. That is plenty good enough to be an excellent team in this league. Okay, that, and that's why I asked you, and that's why I followed that up with, so you're saying that everything that's wrong with the team is limited to the three guys in front of them. No, not everything, but the three things. The, the, you asked me for a good thing that's happening, and okay. it's the midfield. The midfield is good. 
All right. That's my one thing that they're doing right now. And for 30 minutes, I've been telling you why they're good and how they're good. I'm just having a hard time believing you. So I figured if you just keep repeating and I keep asking you, eventually I'll apparent and then eventually I'll believe you. Yeah. All well, right. You don't so have let's to believe me. I'm just telling you what's happening and what's true. You can believe me right. or not because that's what's Dan, happening. Where do you think, fall in this? Well, what I was going to say is I think the best thing we can really say right now is this conflict resolution has been brought to you by Soccer 90. <laughs> Western McKinney name sets are available now in store. <laughs> You're uh, so serious. No, I think um, honestly, um, you know, you're only as good as your last performance. I know you had a pretty fantastic rant in the. Uh, Group me and I, I sent Buzz a message while I was watching it because I ended up watching it on uh, Sunday morning or Sunday, yeah, early Sunday morning. I was like, I feel like I'm watching a different game than what was described. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, another three players up front and that's a 4 3 or a 5 3. Uh, you know, bar, uh, don't get me wrong, it wasn't fantastic defensively, but there were. Plenty of chances there to at least get a couple of goals, um, or at least one. Uh, likewise with, with RSL, um, I, I think there was some inept finishing away from running up a scoreline the same as you had uh, a couple of years ago when they uh, when they scored six two, and everyone was saying, "Why the hell isn't Christian Coleman on the field? Even he'll score." Hmm. Um, so. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, maybe maybe I'm just the the sourpuss. Uh, let's move back a little bit towards the back end of the team. I do I do wonder, Buzz, about how you feel. Lucci's handled the situation of holding mid. He's put Tessman there in in many ways. Is Tanner doing a good job? I kind of got the feeling that. Uh, well, I don't know. Is Tanner doing a good job as the holding mid on this team? He's doing okay. Um, he's doing a nice job winning duels which is not the same as winning tackles he's not a natural tackler so he's not crunching people he's not uh, but he's doing a decent job of being in the right position there are uh, in this particular in this last game uh, because he's not a natural six he doesn't close quite as much and there were a couple instances where wings did not track right back or left back from the other team but that's not on him and, uh, and both center backs were not closing very well either. Martinez because he's hurt and Brisson because he's probably overcompensating. Um, so that aspect isn't great. But Tanner brings to that spot that, say, for example, Evan Cerrillo doesn't. If you played Evan there, Evan is a better tackle. He's a better ball winner. And he's really good about maintaining possession, like getting up quick and quickly finding another player to maintain the play. But um, Tanner can hit a line-breaking pass, a pass that can break the defense and can get you – opportunities to score so there's definitely a level of trust there that Lucci trusts Tanner over Edwin at this point maybe I suggest on one of my burns that Edwin needs to learn how to be a bastard on the field he's not ruthless mm-hmm. enough he's not right he's not a jerk I remember how Oscar used to say of Simo who was the, one of the nicest guys in the world but on the field he was an utter bastard so Cerio needs to learn some of that so Tanner's doing fine he's not doing well enough to make me think that the, t- the team doesn't need to upgrade at that position. They a hundred percent. They've got it. That's one of the five things in my plan. So it's not that, but um, he's okay. And when you put him in combination with the other two guys, the midfield, I think for me is great. So um, it could be better. It could be better, but it's, right. it's the best part of this team, frankly. 
Well, let's let's talk about the two center backs because obviously Hedges is hurt and wasn't in this game. And you mentioned that Mar- uh, Martinez or is it Martinez or Martinez? Do it's we Martinez, decide? I think. Okay. Um, uh, it, 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 he is hurt we know for sure that he's got some sort of muscle strain or something going on well i thought it was load management because he trained full out and he looked fine in training but then they took him out you know after like an hour or so so i thought it was load management stuff but then two games the game, ago uh no this was in practice i'm talking about oh, okay. they took him out of practice early so that's and they took him out of the game you're right a week ago they took him out of the game early so i again i thought it was load management but then in this last game he clearly was laboring to close go out and close on midfielders. And he clearly was laboring with Barrios. Of course, lots of people labor with Barrios and they had to actually take him off for a few minutes. You know, you can see him limping. So he's definitely got a problem. They haven't admitted what the problem is, but there's definitely a problem with him. Oh, and the fact that they did eventually take him off and, you know, move uh, Johnny Nelson into, into the center. Yeah. I mean, the fact, and this is one of the problems that we're going to get to in the plan is the fact that they're short center backs for sure. Even when Hedges is healthy, they're short. So, um, you're kind of going to have to go with duct taping it all together at center back because there's not a lot of their options at this point, frankly. And after starting the season, you know, kind of on a very nice streak of form, and we all kind of were feeling in like, oh, okay, well, this is good to know. Is it is is bad Brisson back? It certainly was for one game. I've actually thought in this game that he was okay. He he was trying to cover up for Martinez a lot, so he kept coming across the formation which meant he was out of position a couple of times. So I, I don't think there's anything that's not like if you have hedges back with him or if Martinez is healthy and with him, I think he's probably fine. They keep okay. making him captain. So I think that's fairly telling you know, how they value him, you know? So I, I'm not super worried about Brisson. Look, he's not world beater. I mean, you know, I got one of most couple of them, but it's okay. <laughs> if, if he's my third guy, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which is he what he's supposed to be. He needs to uh, rein it in a little bit and be more careful around the box. Cause that's, too many fouls, giving away a couple of penalties. Yeah. Yeah, overreaching Brisson, over energetic Brisson is not what we like. We like calm yeah. and Brisson. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we did see Eddie Mujama, Manjoma uh, kind of cruise forward a little more in this in this in this particular game. So is it is that getting better? Dan, you want to take this one? <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I mean, just the fact that he joint-led the team in uh, key passes with uh, Andres Ricarte until he was bizarrely taken off at half-time. <laughs> now I know what. Now I remember why Buzz let you answer this question because this is where Dan's scintillating anger showed up in the group chat after yeah. watching the game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was just sitting there. I was watching the game and kind of like on the eye test, I was like, that's... That's weird because he's been getting forward. He hasn't really been getting beat too bad. They haven't really been targeting Dallas's right side over much. Which, of course, when Holland's head then gets moved over, they do. Um, you know, and I was like, and you know, I was watching this the day, uh, the morning after the game. So I pulled up uh, who scored at the, while, you know, while I was kind of typing as I was watching the game, and I was like, sure enough, he's there three. Three key passes tied to Ricarte. Saying, did 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 Lucci not notice what he's actually doing? Did he just think that you know? Did he just kind of panic too much there? I mean, what, what the hell? Yeah, th- this is another one of these mystifying subs because this was a 
progression step forward game from a gentleman for just half the game. The other stat that I particularly like other than the key passes is one called um, uh, actions, scoring actions, mm-hmm. which essentially is like, it's not just passing. It's like, if you do something that leads to a scoring opportunity and Munjoma with just half of the game was third on the team for the whole game for this um, scoring, creating actions. So it's, you know, th- this was the break group, not the, the breakthrough, but it was a step forward in the progression we've been talking about with him. And Lucci yanked him at halftime to bring on Eddie Munjom, not bring on Johnny Nelson. When you're down to a couple of goals already, it's like, how's Johnny Nelson the answer for being down goals? You know, he's not. So it's like to put Ryan on the right and take off Eddie, who was at that point, one of the most influential players on the field in terms of creating opportunities in the offensive third. So I, it, this is, listen, I, I, it's not all this is Lucci's fault. That one was definitely Lucci's fault. It's, it's his tendency to make these mystifying subs again. And then you break two positions because Ryan then goes missing for 35 minutes until you move him back over to the left. And by that point, the game's just gone. And, you know, he's going to have 10 minutes just adjusting to the position, which is the final 10 minutes of the game. It's just, it, it just made no sense whatsoever. Yeah, down if goals. If you're going to do that, you bring on Emma Tomasi. You let him have a run at it and say, well, maybe he'll be a little bit more attacking. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, if you want art goals, help bring on Emma. That would have been the answer. All right. So uh, it's been promoted and mentioned many times. Buzz has a five-point plan. Mr. Carrick, present said plan. Okay. Five-point plan to make this team at least competitive in the Western Conference. This is not going to win you MLS Cup. Nobody get excited. Plan point number five. Yeah. So we're dealing with the context of the team as it is now. We're dealing with the hunts. So the answer isn't go sign Messi. I mean, that's stupid, right? We're trying <laughs> to be real. Because your PowerPoint side definitely has a picture of Messi on it. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Ignore the Messi picture on the this PowerPoint This is Getty side. Images and yeah. a watermark across it. Yeah. So number one uh, is that either you have to wait for Eddie Minjoma's progression. Wait, hold on. Is this number five or number one? This is number one. So we're going from number one to number five. Yeah, but they're not in order of importance. They're just oh, in order. Okay. I wrote them down. Well, let me so, do this over again. A. Plan, a. Number, plan point number one. Number one, yeah. Okay, so either the, the, the bottom line is that you have to fix right back because if everyone's healthy, center back is fine, left back is fine, goalie is fine, right back is not there. So either... You wait for Eddie Manjoma to progress, which is going to be probably half the season, which, by the way, we said at the beginning of the season. Or you go ahead with Emma Tuomasi and wait for his progression, or you go buy some a player. Go find a player that can fit, fix the, the spot. Number one is fix right back. Okay? Point number two. Number two. Paxton is going to start and become a starter and take over the left wing position. In other words, Paxton will fix left wing. Okay? That's point number two. Number three. Number three, you have to bench Frank O'Hara. Now, you remember earlier in the year, I said that Lucci would need to let him have five, six games because he's this veteran presence. You got to let him have the run. You have to let him have a real opportunity to do it. Well, we're seven games in. He played six of seven. That's a real opportunity. You bench him. Jesus isn't healthy. So you give Pepe one, two, three games, whatever it takes until Jesus is ready to start. And then Jesus basically starts the rest of the year. So that's item three, bench horror for Jesus. Plan point number four. Number four. We've talked all year about how the surprise sell of Tiago Santos, it made business sense. We get that. It left them without a real six. 
Number four is in the next window, you have to sign the guy from Argentina, or if not him, somebody else. I think it's going to be the guy from Argentina. I think that's a real deal. You got to sign a real six. You can't do this with Tanner as a six. Okay. And then Buzz's plan to fix this thing, point number five. Yeah, number five is that there's not enough center backs on this team. And that was from the beginning of the season. I've actually been talking about this because even if you play four at the back, you need two center backs and you need three backups, not two. And right now they have one and a half because we don't know what to whether Nikosi Tafari is any good or not. So even if Tafari is legit, and we're going to hopefully find out, you still need at least one more center back on this roster, and Cheston Shea is gone. So it's not him. He's not coming back. So you're going to have to get at least one more center back because Hedges is really old. Brisson is crazy and throws his body around everywhere. Martinez is clearly hurt and was coming off of a season anyway. So you need another center back backup other than Tafari and Brisson, who theoretically are your backups. So that's okay. the five-point plan. If you do those five things, <laughs> thank you. If you do we those have five, sound effects. Yeah, if you do those five <laughs> things, this team will be back to where it has been the last two seasons, and you'll be competing for a playoff spot. All right. That's an amazing PowerPoint. Thank yeah, you. Ignore was, the Messi awesome. photo. Messi okay. is not the answer. Okay. And the weird applause at the end there. Yeah, it was very nice, Buzz. It's quality, yeah. Uh, all right, I want to go back through five through one, and I want to ask sure. you a couple questions about each of these things because okay. I agree with you. I think this is a great five-point plan. Uh, first thing, it's funny you mentioned this because as you were as you were talking about net, getting another center back, it seemed yeah. obvious to me the solution, which is why don't they sell Justin Shea to Byron and then loan him back to the team? Whatever the whatever the mechan, uh, the machination yeah. is, machination is. Why isn't Justin Shea getting games in MLS here in Dallas, and his future is still in Germany? Well, for some reason, uh, that idea of loaning a player back, while everybody always mentions it, and I've even heard Dallas coaches mention it, it's never actually happened. Not that I can remember. Has anyone ever been loaned back to the team? Well, I no, but I not yeah. that I can think of. But it, uh, here's what I wonder: Is this a function of Justin as a player and his agent and his people going, "Yeah, why would we go back to Dallas? That's not good enough for us. There's better opportunities staying in Europe." Or well, yeah. is it is it is it some other contractual issue? I, like, is it a is it a personal thing that Justin wouldn't want to do that? Or is it something more contractually based? Well, it's going to be based on the fact that Byron's going to feel that they can develop him better than anybody else. And they think that that's going to be in their Byron 2 team. Now, their Byron 2 team just got relegated out of the Bundesliga 3. So they're now going to be playing in the regional leagues. It'll be interesting to see how Byron reacts to that. They might actually decide that it might be better to loan Justin somewhere. Before that team got relegated, I would say no way he comes back once they buy him because they'll want to keep him there. They'll want to keep him in like they did with Richards. They'll want to have him in their camp for their senior team so that they can bring him in a little like Dallas does bring him in a little bit now and then get those tastes with the first team and then have him mostly play with the second team. But I, I, you know, it's, I'm very curious to see how they're going to react to the fact that their reserves got relegated because they don't want to play that team in the actual U23 Bundesliga. They're like the only club that doesn't do that. Right. You know, so it's going to be interesting summer. I don't, I don't know that like if you loan Shea back, he's not going to come back here and start every game. Right. He would just be a depth piece and he would just sit here doing nothing. They would rather keep him there. Is he better than Brisson? No, but they would rather Uh keep him there playing. Like, 
the team they have for him to play in is better than North Texas, at least in their minds. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're not going to send him back here and let him play for North Texas. They're not going to send him back here and let him sit and do nothing. They're going to keep him there and keep him playing where they can watch him. So that's, okay. that's why he'll never come back. And right. No, he's not better than Brisson. Not right now. He okay. might be better than Nicosi. We don't know. Yeah. We haven't seen Tafari play hardly at all. You know, he was pretty close to him last year for North Texas, and we haven't seen either one of those guys in quite a while now. Uh, so you seem to be sold on the idea that the number six, the Argentinian guy that Lanus or Lanus is unhappy with is yeah. coming this way. That's all the indicators. Oh, yeah. That's the signing. That's, that's the signing. Um, I've got some scuttlebutt domestically. I can't report anything officially. This is all water cooler talk, but I'm hearing it's very legit. And when you combine that chatter with the reports, I'm convinced that the guy's coming. Now okay. I, I don't know. I'm just convinced, and uh, you know, based on all the stuff I'm getting. That that's and we also guy. have zero ideas to his qualities or skill sets or anything. Like uh, that. Yeah, no, I got nothing. I mean, you know, I've I've Googled him. You know, I, you know, the people that I've talked to seem to think that he's a legit, a hundred percent real tough guy. Six, you know, a little bit of a mm-hmm. bastard. We'll see what happens when he shows up. You know, so. All right. Uh, number three was bunt- benching Hara, which yeah. I think we all agree with. But let me ask Dan. I want to hear Dan's opinion first. Do you think there's any chance in hell Lucci has the power to bench Hara long for three straight games? Ooh, three. That's a good Or whatever the amount of time it is to, to qualify for Buzz's fix. No. Okay. Buzz? Man, I, I'd like to think he does. <laughs> Uh, we're going to find out because this guy's been utter crap. So I, I totally get like, listen, I, I don't think Pepe's ready to be the starter. I think that Pepe already is as good as Hara. If you had to start Pepe for the next, what is it? 27 games. I'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. I do agree that mentally he's not ready for that load maturity wise he's not ready for that load. So I'm okay with him still being mostly a bench guy. You know, if you give him a couple of starts right now, that'd be fine. Just sort of as you wait for Jesus, that'd be fine for me. You know, I think the answer has to be Jesus. So you're basically stuck. You know, I don't, I don't know that, 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 that Lucci will bench hard for Pepe more than a game. You know, if Jesus is healthy and Jesus is, who's a legit senior national team player, right? We know that. So that's a guy you can bench for horror. You know, okay. bench hard for. I I think, I hope. Oh God, we're gonna find right. out, aren't we? Well, yeah, and they got a couple of weeks to yeah. to, to bicker and fight about it in the yeah, office. I know. Uh, number two is starting Pax. Do you do you actually think Pax is ready to go? Uh, Forty six. You know, uh, a yeah. full hour or so. Well, I think that if you were gonna start him on the nineteenth, I think you had to get him forty five in the last game, and they did. You know, mm-hmm. he'll get a, he'll get a couple of days off here. Like they had four days off this week. They'll probably push him really hard for fitness for like a week or so and then let him relax a little bit and see how he reacts. I think it's a perfect opportunity back home against Minnesota to start him and see if you can get 60 minutes out of him. I think that's the perfect time frame. All right. Do you think he got 45 minutes in Colorado because that was A, the plan, or B, yeah. because the wheels had flown off? No, I think that was the plan. Oh, like I okay. said, I like I went back statistically and I looked at it, and Frank and Vargas was actually the best of the three frontline players. You know, I, I thought he wasn't having a great day, but it wasn't an utter horrific day of all days like some of the other dudes were having. But I, I honestly think that that was the plan going in that Paxton was going to come in at halftime no matter what. Hmm. Okay, and then number one was right back. Is 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 it a uh, uh, 
Is it a failure, or is it unfair to say that in terms of all the other roster-building problems that we're picking up on, maybe one of the ones that we haven't talked enough about was the failure to go out and sign a proper right-back for this team? Well, I think they wanted to try and do what they do, which is progress somebody. And they probably, and I felt, I really felt genuinely they had two good candidates in Emma and Munjoma. And then Emma got sick, you know. And the other side of the coin is that Lucci really truly believes that Nelson at left back and Ryan at right back is fine. Now, we don't, none of us, I think that's true, but it's clear that he thinks that's true, right? And we said all along that if it was going to be Munjoma, he needs half the season. So you just got to wait for him or, or Emma, one or the other, whichever one it's going to be, you know? Yeah. I, I, and this is one of those weird oddities. And, you know, this happens in watching games and coaches and the differences between those of us that, uh, you know, watch a team for entertainment versus those of us that, you know, get paid to manage a team. But when I, when I watch Ryan play on the left, I see a guy that's adventurous, gets forward. He, he hustles and he's confident and has, Really good game, and then the instant he moves over to the right side of the field, he evaporates. And that's what I thought was interesting in this game. He started on the left, he was pretty dynamic, was doing his thing, moved to the right, he evaporated, disappeared, and then they moved him back to the left, and there he was again. And that seems so obvious to me. Yeah, I I, I can't explain this one. I agree with you. And even Ryan, like last year, said that he was so uncomfortable on the right. So I I don't understand why Lucci thinks it's fine. I really don't. you know, and I've actually literally asked him, and he's like, "Oh no, he's great." I'm like, oh, "Okay, I, I think he's horrible, but you know, whatever. Everyone sees the game differently, I guess." Mm-hmm. I really, I, you know, sometimes there, there's a, there are points and there are things that Lucci does that completely mystify me, and this is one of those things. I, I again, Lucci's not without fault. Some of this stuff is not his fault. It's not his fault that they decided to go with Munjoma or Tuamasi as the right back. They could have gone out and got somebody. It's not his fault that COVID cost Munjoma a whole season with North Texas rather than just like three games right at the very end. You know, his progression would be completely different if he would have played 30 games for North Texas, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think if you just give Munjoma time, he's going to be fine. You know, it may be too late by then. I mean, we'll see. So this is what they do is develop right backs, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, it's interesting because, you know, as happens in these situations, the whole uh, hashtag campaign of Lucci out continues to grow and catch more and more noise. And we have these conversations about yeah. how committed the Hunt brothers are to Lucci uh, long term. And you and I, and I think, Dan, you've been a part of this, too. We've had these conversations that I the, the real interesting story for me is if you had asked me this question a year ago, I would have said, oh, my gosh. The Hunt brothers will keep Lucci in this position uh, as uh, way longer than any of us will ever feel comfortable with. This thing will have to be burning to the ground before they get rid of him. But I now think that the interesting story to keep an eye on is, is what happens at the end of this season um, and how much Zanata's influence is may or may not be growing in this team. Because I just have this weird sneaking suspicion that if there is going to be a coaching change, depending on how the season goes that they'll get rid of Lucci, they'll figure out a way to exit that with him, and then this team will end up with some you know, South American, Brazilian, uh, uh, Argentinian coach that most of us have never heard of before. And it'll all be the, the, the handiwork of Zanata. Yeah, Lucci's not Zanata's guy. The one thing I, I have come to believe for sure is that I think Lucci thinks he's coaching for his job. I think Lucci thinks he's in trouble, and that Lucci thinks he's under insane pressure 
and he's kind of cracking a little bit with some of mm-hmm. these decisions. I think that's, yeah. I think if you, if you put yourself in the mindset of you're Lucci and he's worried and he's panicking, and he's making nervous moves and moves that you he's rolling the dice on some of these things because he's trying desperately. Some of these things begin to maybe make sense, you know? Yeah, no, I, I would, because uh, what I do wonder, because I think the thing we should remind everybody was Lucci was named coach well before Zanata showed up. Zanata's this guy that comes from South America in a place like Gremio, and he takes over this position, and the first thing he's confronted with is a coach who has no coaching experience. And I have to think he probably in his head thinks he's got a better solution for that position. Oh, yeah. Don't you think? Of course he does. Yeah, no, he's for sure the X Factor. You know, and he probably has Dan Hunt's ear, and I'm sure he's in there telling him all the time whether he thinks Lucci's doing a good job or not. So, you know, Clark and Dan are going to listen to Zanata. He's the guy that's doing all these moves and making them all this money. You know, we think all these moves that are happening, a lot of them have a business side now that we've never really seen before. Mm-hmm. That's clearly a Zanata influence. I, I think there's no question that Zanata's got a coaching influence coming. Whether it's to retain Lucci or get rid of Lucci, we'll see. Mm. So uh, this time last year, uh, what was the, on a scale of one to 10, what was the um, uh, Lucci hot seat temperature? 10 being the hottest. Oh, three. I thought okay. it was really low. I thought he had no pressure at all. And what is it now? Uh, five. I actually don't, I, I don't think he's in as much trouble as Lucci thinks he's in. Really? <laughs> I, yeah, I just don't. I think, you know, I, I think that they can, they'll look at this team and they'll say, you know, that it's not Lucci's fault that like some of these things that are going wrong are, are, you know, they've kind of handcuffed him in a lot of ways. And I'm sure Lucci's expressed that. I mean, I don't know how Dan feels about it, but Dan Hunt or Dan and our Dan, uh, Kirk, you know, Kirk, Kirk, Kirk. I, I burped in the middle of that. Kirk. Oh, okay. yeah. So See, he's um, been drinking that whiskey. He's yeah. drunk. This shit yeah, is like, good, dude. That's why he's did, feisty and fighting with me earlier. Did he just call me a Keurig? He did. Um, You're a cup of coffee, my friend. That's creepy. Um, actually, uh, while you were talking about all that, I was uh, trying to figure out who was uh, Gremio coach while Zanotta was there. Since, you know, you've got... <laughs> I mean, there's so many links, right? There's Prasan coming from Gremio. There's Felipe coming from Gremio. There's... Uh, uh, Tiago Santos going to Gremio. Well, Renato Gaucho, the coach uh, at Gremio at the time, lost his job six weeks ago. He is <gasps> a free agent. Cue the mysterious music. Mm. And he was yeah. the coach the entire time. Andres Zanotta was there. What's his name? Uh, Renato Gaucho. Oh, he's a cowboy. Right. Even better. Man, put him on the betting wall. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Renato Gaucho. Mm. <sighs> All right. So we've uh, talked about the crummy game, the loss. Buzz and I have fought over the quality of this team. <laughs> Buzz has presented his five-point plan. Yeah. Anything else that we want to talk about? I mean, the good news is we get a break now. We get to go. Uh, now we get to fight about the national team. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else we want to talk about? Colorado 3, Dallas 0. Well, nothing from that game. That pretty much covered it for me. Okay. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, by the way, and you mentioned it earlier, Buzz, uh, the good John Leonard wrote a kick-ass uh, stats-based article about how this team has been performing with Lucci and, and the horror piece of it. Uh, if you're into the statistical aspect of it, uh, go check that out over at uh, thirddegree.net. And just when you read it, 
read it in this kind of voice like this because that's kind of like how John talks. Okay. Uh, a couple nice. of things. Uh, what, Dan? That's not nice. Yeah, no, go it's ahead. not. Okay. No. I didn't say anything. I was, I was right. holding my tongue. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, a couple of things not related specifically to Dallas. I want to talk, can we talk kits for a few seconds? Sure. Always. So have you guys seen, and I got to get one of these things, the 100th anniversary of the Japanese national team shirt that Adidas you made? You able to get one. Yes, it's fantastic. Why they can't I get one? being sold in Japan. Oh, I might have, oh no. Do I know anybody in Japan? I'll have to think about that. Have you seen them? There's also a very limited run. They are so nice. And didn't they come in like a box or something, like a wood box? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If you haven't seen them, they are a baby blue kit with the Japanese flag for the crest. Just a very simple, they're about as basic as they get, except they have this very handsome white collar. Uh, really classic looking shirt. Uh, and they didn't end up getting to wear it because I guess Jamaica wasn't able to come travel for the game due to COVID or something like that. So if it, you see one in this country, it's probably from DH gate. Oh, or it's close. covered in COVID. So you need to stay away from it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the other thing I wanted to make mention, I thought this was really cool. They are making a big deal of it this week that in, uh, FIFA 21, the EA sports video game, they now have the original set of 1996 MLS jerseys represented in there. And they have super buff, not fat in any way, <laughs> Paxton Pomacall wearing that. a form fitting <laughs> yeah. Dallas Burn, the, the classic 96 Dallas Burn jersey. But did you guys also pick up on the very weird, emotionally conflicting fact that representing the Colorado Rapids is Kellen none other than FC Dallas Academy grad and original great Kellen Acosta? Well, great for Kellen, but also Paxton's not anywhere near that jacked as he is in that game. <laughs> so, so two things about that. It's only in FIFA Ultimate Team, so that's bullshit. Um, it's not in the real game. Uh, and also, for some reason, DC United was left out of that. Yeah. Okay, I wondered about the greatest this. greatest kit in MLS history. Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I saw the, the Paxton picture... Uh, and then I saw the other one. I was so focused on the fact they had put Kellen. They chose Kellen to be the person that just was so weird in so many ways. I had I, I did not pick up on the fact that D, I, I thought something was missing, but I never did identify the fact that D. Did we know why DC was left out? No, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know if anybody no, had talked about it. It's kind of one of those mysteries, like uh, the Metro Stars being left out of the uh, MLS since '96 collection. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, And then moving into other MLS news, uh, since we last did a podcast, the big crazy story about Inter-Miami getting all the fines and cheating and last year ending up in last place despite the fact that they had five DPs. I I just wanted to give you guys an opportunity to express yourself or comment on that in some way. Well, it was such a horrible uh, bit of rule breaking that they're now going to let them have Messi. (laughs) 
for 60 million a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the thing I'll point out about the Messi thing, and I, and I have no idea how much legitimacy, and for those who are not aware, in one of the Spanish newspapers, they leaked a plan that apparently was in place to re-sign Messi for Barcelona for another two seasons, and then he would come play for Inter for two seasons before returning to Barcelona as a as an ambassador for the club and the entire plan was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And if you were to do the math, he would be making $63 million playing for inter Miami. But the thing that I thought was interesting, the timing of it aligns very nicely with when the new TV media deal for MLS would take place. And I could make the argument that if it was the thing that triggered that kind of deal for Major League Soccer, you should write whatever check it takes to get Messi in the league because that's the thing, right? Yeah. That's oh, what yeah. it would take. Yeah, yeah. No, it, if if that if Messi coming here on that number gets a new huge mega TV deal that this league needs, that's totally worth every dime. Uh, and if you want to go back to the five DPS question, you remember, I remember watching Miami and well, they have Blaze Matuti or whatever his name is in the midfield. And I thought, oh my god, who is this absolutely craptastic holding mid that, that Miami has? This guy is horrible. And then looking him up and seeing he was like this World Cup winner, and I'm like, well, man, they got this shortening the stick on that deal, man. That guy is terrible. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't played well for them. No. Yeah, that's, yeah, and then there's all kinds of craziness going on up in Toronto. Uh, nobody seems happy with uh, uh, Chris Armas. Some of the players are speaking out. And then there's the crazy story about Josie Altidore. Now, I just want to plant a seed with you guys because you know eventually somebody's going to say this. How would it, and I'm not I'm not suggesting this is a good idea. I'm asking you. Would it ever make sense for Dallas to figure out a trade to get Josie Altidore? No. I love that answer, Dan. Matt, uh, if you're going to take a striker from Toronto, I'd rather Don Bois. Okay. okay the, pro- the problem is is that the, the Hunts, listen, we know the Hunts are relatively budget conscious, and Altidore is on $3 million. Oh but yeah, I, I just, not, don't, just I don't even mean the money part of it, right? Because oh, the, yeah. mo- the the money falls into that space where it's just coming out of their pocket and doesn't affect the salary cap and the team in any way. Yeah. It's not a ne- it's not a drag on it that way. I just wonder, what do you think about Josie as a starting striker for this team? Uh, is he a, is he the kind of guy you would want? I don't think he is. No, he. I mean, he's better than Hara, but you know, I at this point, your best option is Jesus. You know, Jesus is still a viable national team player. Okay. You know, you just go with Jesus. He's perfectly fine. I mean, unless you're going to go get uh, Funes Mori, you know, <laughs> which case we can talk. But otherwise, just ride Jesus. Or Pepe. If Pepe's ready, Pepe's not ready. But if Pepe were ready for 30 games, go with Pepe. And then the other big kind of rumor that happened, I think the at was it the Athletic or was it Jeff Carlisle that first announced the uh, word that MLS is trying to start their own third division MLS two league. Uh, I think it was um, uh, the Athletic. It was okay. Pablo and the Athletic and Paul. Yeah, I think it yeah. was those two guys. So I, I know you've already answered this question a thousand times, Buzz, but I'm sure yeah. there's people listening. What does this mean for North Texas? Where would they play? Is it a different team? Blah, 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 blah. Well, it, it depends. Um, and some of the stuff that was in this most recent article was it was different than what has been talked about before. So the change actually changes how North Texas might function. And the big change that was in this article 
was up until now, the scuttlebutt has been this would be like a U23 league with maybe like a couple of overage exemptions or something so you could put down a guy for rehab or whatever. Well, now the stuff in the athletics says that it's just going to be a complete open Division three, which is equivalent to USL one. So it'll be the exact same level where North Texas plays already. And the fact that you can use the team however you want. If you want to play a U20 team, you can. If you want to play a bunch of 29-year-old Connor Doyles, you can. You know, whatever you want to use it. So from the Dallas perspective, when it was just going to be a U23 team and every team would have been a bunch of young prospects who are all pretty skilled, that's not super appealing to North Texas for Dallas's purpose. Excuse me a second. <clears throat> they like to be tested differently. They want to go up against varieties of teams. They want to play against a bunch of 20 or 30-year-old guys who are fighting to put food on the table. They want to go up against a team that's like a track team. They want to go up against a different team that, pump, that, that moves the ball around like they do. They want variety. Well, when it was all U23, that maybe wasn't so appealing. And it seemed like what they would have, were going to do was take their U19 team and bail on the U19 league. This is just discussion, mind you. I'm not reporting anything. And play it up probably as a U23 team. And then you mix in a little bit of like a college guys. You mix in a little bit of North Texas guys who maybe aren't playing with that side. But as I say, this change in the league now, maybe it changes things. Maybe now you're going to see what kind of teams – are in this thing. And the, the article even talks about MLS being willing to bring in teams from outside of major league soccer, like bringing in your uh, Charleston battery, if they have a team at that level or your Greenville triumph, if they want to come in. So you're going to see some variety. So that may end up be more appealing to North Texas. So the, there now is a big wait and see kind of flag on this whole thing until they determine exactly what kind of league we're going to get. Sorry, I just knocked over my microphone. And what time of uh, teams are in it? Let me put down an edit because I just knocked over my mic. <laughs> uh, yeah. So stay tuned because I think it actually, given what they're now saying, there's a possibility, I think, that we could see North Texas leave USL 1. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I, I've seen comments and different kind of reactions to this news that uh, and maybe I'm inferring this and nobody's explicitly implying it, which is it may actually behoove the ML uh, behoove USL to lose the MLS teams because for reasons I'm not clear on the MLS teams are bogging down the USL one and championship or or they don't draw mu- they don't oh because yeah well because but, it's like everyone looks at them like it's a bunch of reserves who cares. So, like, mm. you know, in, in both USL Championship and USL 1, the MLS teams are almost always the like the bottom 10 or 15 teams in attendance in the, both those leagues. It's 10 MLS teams in there. There's only, like, one MLS team that does any good at all. I can't remember which one it is. It's probably Tacoma Defense. So, like, you know, and also MLS wants to control things, mm-hmm. you know. They want to have stuff under their umbrella. So they're going to pull in all their teams and they're going to offer other teams to come in. It's possible this thing could kill, you know, USL one in a roundabout way if they can pull enough teams out of it. The real interesting question would be, what will happen with the MLS teams that run USL championship teams? Because this is going to be a Division three, not Division two. So it's a league lower down than USL championship. Will LA Galaxy two? Will Atlanta two? Will those teams stay in USL championship, or are they going to come down to what is ostensibly a lower league of play? 
mean, the thing is, I mean, the the division, the third division sanctioning is really just down to stadium requirements and thingy geographic footprint the standard is whatever the teams are going to make it the same way you know north texas came in and blew away a bunch of teams that just you know were, were glorified mpsl level and did I, am i reading it incorrectly to to uh to at least come away from these articles with the suggestion that maybe a solar or a, a dallas texans could even throw a team in this level I mean, they, the leagues, the, the, the story says that MLS is going to take in teams outside of MLS. But USL, I mean, to be Division Three, as Dan says, there are stadium requirements. You have to have, I think it's 5,000 seats minimum, I think, mm-hmm. or in that ballpark. You know, you have to have a certain amount of budget. You have to have a certain amount. You know, these are things that solar or Texans don't have. So unless those two clubs go out and build like a significant size venue or cut a deal to play in somebody else's venue, like North Texas does, you know, with the, with the the globe life, you know, it's not likely that an Academy is going to make that kind of commitment, you know, unless it's more likely that you would see like an NPSL team or USL two team say, well, if it's in less, there's more stability there. So we're willing to maybe risk a little money and make the jump and see what happens, you know? Mm, okay. Because there's some volatility to USL still these days, you know, particularly at that level. That league's had teams coming and going a little bit. So, and, and this is again more volatility right here. So, well, then that leads, uh, that kind of segs nicely into the next topic, which was the news that Dante Seeley uh, probably really pissed off the FC Dallas front office. <laughs> that kid. By posting a picture of <laughs> uh, the PSV training facility where he is currently at. And uh, then we got the famous uh, he's there on trial yeah. out of the side of the mouth line from the club. Yeah, which to is always, extent, yeah. Yeah, which uh, Buzz always reminds us is uh, when yeah. they open their mouth, they're probably lying. Uh, Buzz, you, you, you appear to have uh, gotten the word that this is a done deal and he's, going, he's not coming mm, back. Not done, not done. Uh, I knew he was going to PSV and that that's why he wasn't in Colorado. Um, but I wasn't in a position where I could talk about it. And then he put the picture out and I was like, oh, well, if he's going to put a picture out, <laughs> then yeah, gonna... I can confirm that's why he wasn't in Colorado, you know? And then, you know, once the picture went out, then I got a couple of whispers of it's probably a loan deal, probably. So, you know, again, the club's like, he's there for a two week thing, but I've been telling you guys for three years yeah, that when he, he turned 18, he's here. gone. He, think, he thinks he's a European yeah. player. Yeah. I mean, he's been to PSV at least once, if not two or three times. He's been to Sevilla. I think it was the other team. The kid's got happy feet. He's been wanting to go forever. His agent wants him to go. His dad wants him to go. He's, he's got gone. a passport. You're, yeah, he's, he's got, got yeah. a TT passport. He's gone. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, could he be back? Yes. You know, but all signs are that this is the PSV deal finally happening. You know, they're going to – I figured they want to bring him in and get a last look before the actual window opens, which is, what, in a month from now, you know, so – well, I, I, if let me put it this way: if he comes back, I'm going to be shocked if he comes back. Okay. Now, this is where I think Dan can be super helpful because I do think that we, as a soccer nation, tend to be very insecure about this stuff. Because one of the questions that I get a lot, uh, and uh, uh, 
and I know you do too, Buzz, and I'm sure you do too, Dan, which is, well, wait a second. If PSV thinks Dante Sealy is such a badass, why isn't he playing for FC Dallas on the regular? And why isn't he starting in MLS? And, and it's because the answer to that question is far more complicated than, well, he, than just saying, well, he's never, he's not going to go to PSV and just start playing, right? Yeah, he's, it, though you mentioned it, there's been so many Facebook and Twitter threads, and uh, Buzz just put out a, a, a quick burn for the, the patrons uh, after getting the request on this. And, you know, PSV aren't buying Dante Seeley, the player, today. They're buying, you know, they're looking to buy Dante Seeley, the player that he could be in three, four, five years' time. And if he isn't, if he doesn't live up to that potential, then they just make a tidy profit. You know, it, it, the same way uh, when we were talking about why Brian Reynolds' value was so high compared to Reggie, because, you know, Juventus and Roma were looking at the next Alfonso Davies potentially, and if not, just a guy who's come from a big-name club system who costs a good bit of money. Right? That you know, It all kind of ties into what Buzz said earlier about Pepe not necessarily being ready for, for 30 MLS starts. You know, you've got to kind of space these players out and say that, you know, Dante Seeley right now uh, right now isn't a, a 90-minute MLS winger and he's not a 90-minute, you know, era Divisio winger either. But, you know, by the end of the year, he could be an, a 90-minute MLS winger. By the end, by the next couple of years, he could be, you know, making some appearances off the bench for PSV. Yeah, make no mistake, Dante Sealy is not going to be in PSV's first team in a month. I mean, he's going to play on their U23 team or whatever. You know, in terms of pure level, it, it's going to be a slight regression in the sense that, like, he's going to go from the senior team to the under-23 team when he goes there. But as Dan said, they're buying him for his potential, or if, if they buy him. I mean, this is still a big if here. You know, this is a guy – they're good at developing wingers. In terms of the U.S. national team and, like, his progression for the U.S., you, you love this deal because this is exactly the kind of club that could turn him into a superstar. So – you know, these European clubs are interested in the FC Dallas players. They think they can turn into superstars. They're not interested in the guys that are grinders. They're not interested in winning Brandon Sylvania. They don't want that guy. They want mm-hmm. these guys that can turn it. They want Brian Reynolds turn him into a hundred million dollar player. Right. And, and, it, and if you are Dante, it makes more sense to make more money and, and live the European life uh, and sit on the bench in Holland than it does to do it in Frisco. Yeah, he probably feels, and I'm sure he's correct, that he could reach a higher level coming through PSV than he can playing through FC Dallas. This is a better opportunity if you're Dante Sealy. There's not any question about that. You know, he, he's going to make first. He would make the first team sooner. He already has. I think he was close to getting a start at some point in the next, you know, month or so here with FC Dallas. But if Don, if PSV calls, that's a no-brainer, man. You're jumping on that. There's, some, there's an opportunity to be, you could be at the highest levels of Europe within a couple of years. If things go the way you think they should, you're betting on yourself. Do we have any idea what the transfer fee uh, is oh, rumored to no, be at? No, no, I, no, just, I heard loan, you know, like, like always, it'll probably be a, you know, a year loan or whatever with a sell on, with a buy negotiated in, you know, same crap they always do sell on percentage. It'll be something like that. You okay. know, who knows? I mean, Dante Sealy has been highly thought of for a long time. Right, he's got the genetics, he's got the bloodline, he's got everything you want, all the raw tools that they get super excited about. It ought to be a relatively good. It's not going to be Brian Reynolds good because 
Sealy wasn't tearing up MLS like Reynolds was. But it'll be along the lines of Richards or Che will be, you know, somewhere between one, three, four million, probably. I don't know. He's an attacker, so maybe a little higher. We'll see. Okay. Uh, and then you mentioned his name, Dan. Uh, did anybody else see the quote from Reggie Cannon uh, during some of his national team interviews? Uh, he still appears to be very bitter about his time here in Dallas. Very. Very. Uh. <laughs> That's what we got, Barry. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I mean, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit before we started recording. And, you know, it was kind of like he's talking about not necessarily having support when he was when he was the next guy up and the new guy. And that he was he got to be that support for Brian Reynolds. And then I just I, I'm not really sure what he was what he was talking about, because in terms of playing, he was playing against he was playing next to players like Matt Hedges and with guys like um, Ryan Hollinshead, you know, two guys who we know are basically coaches on the field. And he spoke, you know, in his first, in his couple of seasons, he spoke extensively about, you know, the benefit of having Hernan Grana and working with him in training and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, unless he's talking about some kind of like, uh, you know, so like, a support system like outside you know off the field i'm i'm just kind of not seeing it the only thing i could think of is the way the whole thing ended where there was a little bit of contract problems they didn't like but also you remember when the whole black lives matter thing went down and they and he got the whole we want you to read this letter thing that they denied saying maybe that's what he meant by i didn't get the support yeah. i didn't have the club behind me like i thought i should have that's probably what he's talking about maybe I mean, yeah. I, I'm I'm like Dan. At first, I was like, "What is he talking about? I didn't have support," and that's kind of what I can come up with. And, and maybe as well, you know, like you, you know, he he went like we know he went through a pretty torrid time with the transfer with the with the Russian club coming in and confusing things. And and I think you you talked a little about at the time about well, FC Dallas is holding out for more money and and this that and the other. Whereas you know the the Reynolds move always seemed to have a direction and an endpoint, even if even if it, there was a little swerve at the end with Juventus and Roma. It, it seemed more like FC Dallas were kind of supporting the transfer, supporting the interests maybe of the player, and not trying to force him to, I don't know, some shithole in Russia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, I, I am very much looking forward to this next few days because I think we're going to learn a lot about Reggie Cannon's level uh, in these national team games. I'm assuming he's going to end up starting on the right for the for the United States and against Honduras and then whoever they end up, I'm assuming Mexico, uh, assuming they get past Honduras and they get to the final of this Nations League tournament. Um, I, it'll, be, it'll be really interesting to see how Reggie's progressed because uh, I did, I I kind of got the sense he didn't have his best game in that game against the Swiss, although the deflection really was kind of a fluky deal. Uh, in the little bits and pieces I saw of the game, um, th- there is a considerable gap in his game versus Serginho Dest. I mean, it, the 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 difference between those two dudes is pretty noticeable. Yeah, uh, right back is crazy because they use Dest on the left a lot, but other than Cannon, you obviously have Reynolds, and now you have. Um, the guy in Turkey. Oh gosh, why am I brain farting in his name? Yeah, he was in Newcastle. 
Oh, Yedlin. Yedlin. Oh, sorry. I don't know why I couldn't get that name out of my brain. Uh, Yedlin's also in that mix too. You know, Burhalter said something about rewarding him for his good plays had in Turkey. So um, that's a deep spot. And that's, I think, less of the Gold Cup, but more once we get to the qualifiers, who's going to get called up at that point is going to be, I think, more telling as they head towards the World Cup, you know. Um, Don't forget uh, that was Tyler Adams' interesting position too. Yeah, I think Tyler's so vital to the midfield, though, now that I don't think that he's out of the picture right back, I would assume. Yeah, I don't want him to go back to playing that formation. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else we need to touch on, fellas? I, we've we've gone through a lot today, and I and I want to make sure the children understand. Daddy and Daddy were not fighting earlier. We were just having a disagreement, uh, mm. and we're, we're comfortable in our relationship enough to work through those disagreements with words mm. that were brought to you by Soccer Ninety. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, that was the uh, Chisholm Trail Classico second leg at the weekend. Uh, Denton curb stomped Fort Worth again, 7-2. Uh, <laughs> so Damon Gary. gets to post videos yeah. of him sexually stroking the belt again? Yeah. Basically, yeah. And, you know, and John put up a, a nice uh, recap of it all. So. All right. Yay. All right. Good stuff. Okay. Buzz, you got any last thing you want to throw out there? Uh, keep a small eye if you're a North Texas watcher on two players, Alejandro, who's the Mexican Brazilian combo kid has taken over as the 10 and really is uh jump to the forefront of, uh, you know, scoring chances created and such stats as that. So keep an eye on that guy. And also, uh, Kaiser Gomes, who, uh, has done enough that he already is getting, and not just because of the injuries. He, he was getting first-team training invites already. He's only been here like three weeks. He's this big, huge, massive center back. So uh, those are two guys to watch if you get a chance to watch them play. Okay. Now, do we have plans for a pod next week? Because yes. uh, Dallas doesn't play until the 19th, that home game against Minnesota. So we'll find something. We'll talk national team stuff or yep. Yep. Or uh, Buzz will have another five points. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about is this team better now than it was three or four years ago? And also at the suggestion of one of our patrons, can you make a team of X FC Dallas players that would beat this team just from players inside MLS? Wait a second. Ask that quite because I want to make sure that I think about this. Yep. So, at, former FC Dallas and yep. Burn players. Yeah, if you mix together guys currently still in the league oh, that used cur- to play for okay. FC Dallas, can you make a team that's better than the team they have now? And we'll is there even enough of those guys even exist? Oh yeah, yeah, sure there are. Really, Drew Moore, Zimmerman, Yoloa, McCarty, Maxi Uruti, Breck Shea, Fafa Pickle. I mean, keep going. All right. You get a whole Interesting bunch of question. Uh, Kellen Interesting. Acosta. Kellen Acosta. Mm. I mean, there's plenty of dudes out there that are, uh, yeah. We'll talk about it next time. I was just going to throw out 10 TEDx, but all right. I guess yeah, that's No, he doesn't the, play anymore. He doesn't. No. <laughs> he he's doesn't beat his mind. Yeah. He can coach. 
<laughs> He's living large in Hawaii, my friend. He's yeah. doing very well. Um, okay, yeah, so Dallas doesn't play until the 19th. That game is uh, at uh, will be in Frisco at 7.30 and all of that. All right, so let's get back to this. As uh, Dan rightfully noted, Third Degree of the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. The new international club jerseys are arriving this entire month of June, but already the Juventus home jersey is available now. And as we the aforementioned Weston McKenney home jersey is also available in both youth and adult sizes. And because you are a very special third degree listener, you get 25% off your purchase. You just got to use the code third degree when you check out at soccer90.com. Dan, thank you for being the glue that holds this fighting thing together. That's a very Oscar Pereira phrase. What is the glue? The glue. All right. Say it like Oscar would have said. No. <laughs> You're a very smart and astute. I've, I've had his death stares too many times to do something like that. <laughs> he didn't want to do that. All right, Buzz, you know I love you, man. I know. You it's sometimes frustrate to... me, that's all, you know. Well, you know, sometimes we don't agree on things and I wanna yeah. I wanna I know you I just wanna push you on them sometimes. <laughs> Apparently. And it makes the podcast more entertaining, mm, I think. Does it? Okay. I, okay, you okay. know what? We'll we'll let the Patreons and listeners tell us if yeah. they enjoy it when you and I bicker at each other about stuff okay. like this. Fair enough. All right? Yeah. It's not fun when we agree on everything, is it? I don't know. Sure. Mm. Mm. Okay. No. Conflict is good for the entertainment value. Yeah, Matches United still sucks. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> <laughs> <At least. laughs> okay i don't want to even get into that yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and thank you fc dallas cure oh don't forget to get your fc dallas curious shirt how many have we sold of those buzz or oh, you man, sold I, of those i'm not i'm not on the side i have to go look i like i was like you're a up couple. to like 2300 of them or something right yeah yeah 2000 2000 2000 fc dallas curious shirts thank you fc dallas curious fan we will speak to you next week on another edition of third degree the podcast no hosts were physically harmed during the recording of this episode third degree the third degree never get third degree the third degree never get third degree the third degree never get